Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Coach. I am the Doc, and this is the Doc. And with our combined experience in fitness and psychology, we're here to help you become the ultimate fitness coach. Today, we're talking about client compliance, our top three takeaways from our full day workshop. Recently, we had the opportunity to go to Rhode Island at Perform Better's headquarters and do a full day workshop on our 360 wellness approach, highlighting the use of behavior science when working with clients and client compliance. And we really love doing these because we really get to dive down into the nuances of this, the real world application, and just get to collaborate and learn from other fitness professionals. And so today we wanted to share uh, three major takeaways that we really focused on and that people felt was really informative to them. Scott, you wanna orient us to that? Yeah, so takeaway number one, hard conversations about change shouldn't be done on the gym floor. Number two, for the best long-term results, use minimal effective day, dose. And number three, all unhealthy behaviors serve a root cause. So Doc, kick us off with the first one. Why should hard conversations be off the gym floor? Yeah, um, three, three basic reasons, I would say. Um, the first one is um, your client's ability to recall. So you're on the training floor, they're doing their motoric movements, you're focused on their training program, and at the same time, you're having conversations about food recall for the last week and how they felt with certain things, um, thinking about their lifestyle, could they incorporate different things? And all of those are nice conversations to have, but when your client is in the middle of their training program, even if they're taking little breaks, the cognitive bandwidth that they have to recall things accurate, accurately and, and to really give you all the information that you need to give individualized strategies um, is really diminished. The other thing is, is that you're not just training that client during the day. I know this, right? You have lots of clients. And so the likelihood that you actually remember everything that you suggested to them is going to be pretty low. And although clients don't always point that out to you next time you see them, they'll remember that maybe you weren't listening or you forgot something that you guys talked about. And the last one for me is really that although clients will share lots of things on the training floor, and we know this, and some people almost feel like they're overshares, people generally don't share um, with you anything they don't want to or they're not comfortable with. So in that regard, if you're on the training floor and there's other people around, other trainers, other clients, or you're doing small group, large group training, they're not going to tell you all of the barriers, challenges, or even insecurities that they have about some of the strategies that you're recommending. And that's gonna limit your effectiveness with them. And this is very tempting as coaches, uh, because you're on the floor and, and clients are presenting problems that they're having. And so you wanna be like, well, I can help with that problem. Like you're, you know, you're drinking, well, we need to stop the drinking, or here's a replacement for it, or you're not getting enough vegetables in, try this. And so, and by the end of the session, you give five or six different recommendations, but, but really it, you should have been, well, number one, focusing on the training. <laughs> and we talk a lot about this, of separating the, the, the physical side, the, the training aspect, we wanna focus on the movements on the floor. And what Dr. J was saying is people aren't going to uh, really absorb much of that information that you're giving them. And two, it, it really hasn't given us a chance as a coaches to, to dig deep into like what really the problem is. Because it could be these surface level things that they're saying, but it's, it's really the underlying issues that you have to get to to really resolve this for a long-term um, solution. And so that's why we talk a lot about separating the, the training that you're doing on the floor and the coaching where you're doing like this 360 wellness approach that we're talking about. 
So that's why we're big on having these harder conversations with holding people back from reaching their goals, of having a time and place to, to have these conversations so you can break it down. So there's not people around, so clients are oriented to um, focused on this and they're not worried about the movement they're doing, the, the next you know, rest they have, low blood sugar, you know, low blood pressure, you know, low you know, on water, all these different things. Yeah. They can focus on the training when they're doing the training floor and they can focus on all the things they're doing outside the gym floor when you have that separate time. And so that's what just makes the this work really well is when you give the time and space for that. Yeah, because I mean, think about it, like you might be like, hey, you know, can you add some protein to your diet? Can you do these things? And they're saying, yeah, not a problem. But then when they walk out or the next day, they're thinking, well, wait, so do I have to buy more red meat? How, do, do I just eat more chicken? No. How can I? He said something about protein powder, but I forgot to ask what protein powder or um, or that last one I tried I didn't like. And so there's just all of these nuances where you get that agreement and, and you're separating from your client thinking, yeah, they are excited about this and they're going to go execute this. And they didn't ask any other questions. So we must all be on the same page. So it's just those things that we miss that conversations in between the sets and reps, there's just not enough time to really dive in. Yeah, and we talk about like, when you have these conversations off the gym floor about the big changes, when you're, when you're on the gym floor with them, you can, you can reinforce those things. So it's not that like you can't have conversations exactly. with people on the floor, because that was, that was funny at the workshop, they're like, someone was like, does that mean we shouldn't talk to them? We're like, no, 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 you should absolutely talk to yeah. the person. Like, yeah. it's gonna be very awkward. Like, I'm sorry, we can't talk now until we have our separate time. <laughs> But it's more about like, that's not the time to, to introduce something new when you're trying to make changes. That's trying to reinforce um, and also just having you know, pleasantry conversations. So moving on to the second one, this minimal effective dose. We're really big on this one. And this was another thing that a, a young trainer brought up at our workshop. And he was just out of school, he had his exercise science degree, and he's so excited to, to do all these things that he just learned through all these general pop clients. And I was that same person. Like, I wanted to, you know, here's all the nutrition knowledge I have, and here's all the supplement knowledge I have, and here's all the exercise knowledge. And if you follow all these things, you're gonna get the results you want. But, but very few actually follow that plan because it wasn't the best plan for them, it was just the best plan for that archetype, that you know, male at that weight kind of deal. It wasn't taking into account their personality, their lifestyle, and their environment. Yeah, and, and if we think about it, you know, um, a lot of people are talking about habits, and there's some cool books out about building habits and all those things, and we know that habits are important. But the thing is, is that when we make huge changes that are very complex with multiple facets, the likelihood that those things are ever gonna become a habit is very diminished because the way we build habits is small incremental steps that are sort of stacked onto other things that we're already doing. So by looking at what's the minimum amount that we can do to help make some change, what it does is two things. It builds upon existing habits, ideally, for doing it correctly. And then the other thing is, and I talk about this a lot, is this behavioral momentum. Mm -hmm. When I can do something successfully and I see a little bit of a change, my brain is much more likely to get engaged in doing more and more of that and then other behaviors follow. If it's something super complex and I'm trying and I'm failing and I'm trying and I'm failing, then over time I start to feel like I can't do this or it's something's wrong with me or it's not meant for me at this time. And so 
um, getting people excited about this. Oh, the other part I want to make real quick too is when we do a bunch of things at once, that doesn't scream lifestyle. That screams overhauling my lifestyle. And most people will tell you that they don't want to give up all the things that they love and enjoy. Yeah. What they want to do is just make some changes in certain facets of their lives, whether it's movement, overall health, weight management, things like that. And so that MED, that minimal effective dose, really purports and supports that notion that this could be a lifestyle. Yeah, the, the first question I'll ask the trainer when uh, I'm talking about this is like, what type of clientele do you work with? If you're trying to work with someone that's trying to compete at the highest level, this isn't the best approach for them. Exactly. Because they're not looking for minimal effective dose. They're trying to get the, the highest level the best they can. And that's us as, as trainers, we're thinking about that too, of like when we're doing our training, we're like, well, you know, I want to get as strong as I can, or I want to get as lean as I can. So I'm going to do everything that I can. And so when a client comes in, they're like, well, I want to get stronger and I want to get leaner. And you're like, well, I know how to do that. Like, because I've done it with myself. I occasionally have a client that does this. So if you go all in, you're going to get really strong. But really, they just want to get a little bit leaner and a little bit stronger. And they don't want to give up a lot of the things that they enjoy. And they don't want to push themselves really that hard. Now, again, you're going to have to figure out each individual client and figure out what degree that is to them. But just like taking someone through the first workout, it's better to go a little less than a little too much. You don't want to have someone in the first workout and put on more weight on their, their back for a barbell back squat than they can handle and they hurt themselves. Same thing as you don't want to give someone too many recommendations that they can't follow through. It's really just start off with a couple simple things. And then as the weeks go by and they have compliance with that, they can add on to that. The other thing, clients start to learn that there's a, there's a place in between all in and all out. Because so many clients, when they come in, you know, they're, they're not really following any kind of plan. They're just eating whatever is kind of natural to them. And if we give them this like really strict plan of like, all right, here's, you know, just meats and vegetables and we're going to work out every day. And they do that for a while and they get good results. When, when life becomes stressful, they're just going to revert back to the original where they started. They haven't learned anywhere in between. And by us taking this minimal effective dose, we can teach them stages in between. So, so people can, you know, improve and maybe fall back just a little bit, but not so far back yeah. that's all the way at the beginning. So exactly. I think that's just important. And so keep that in mind when you're working with your clients. So takeaway number three. All unhealthy behaviors serve a root cause. And and, doc, and, and we've talked about this in, in several of our past episodes. And if you really want to dive into that, like we broke them down. But but Dr. J, um, break down, you know, the, our EATS model and why this is so important for, for coaches and trainers to know. Yeah. And, and I'll back it up for a half a second in that all behaviors have a root cause. Any behavior that we persistently demonstrate um, there's a reason that we do it. It's being reinforced. Any behavior that's reoccurring is being reinforced by something. And sometimes it's, we are not sure. But in the case of clients, usually you're not trying to change the behaviors that are working towards our goals. What we're usually trying to adjust is the behaviors that aren't. And so healthy to unhealthy is on a continuum. Yeah. And based on your goal, some behaviors based on that goal will land in the more unhealthy category. So bottom line is if you're trying to change a behavior or modify it, you have to figure out why it's existing. And so what we talk about is the EATS model, and this is really um, strong in the behavioral science um, literature and research, and we know a lot about this. And basically that there's four root causes. One, EATS, so E, E is for escape, A is for attention, T is for tangible and S is for sensory. And so basically what we're saying is, okay, if you are doing that late night snacking, are you doing it because you are just trying to 
escape your day, escape emotions and feelings, and this comfort food sort of allows you to escape, takes you back to your grandma's house, whatever it is, and it's serving that purpose. Or is it attention? When you eat the squawk and chips, when you go out to the restaurant, um, that Mexican restaurant, and have all of your um, favorite foods with your friends, it's a way that you connect with them. Or is it tangible? I deserve a treat. I deserve something special. I work hard and, and, I, and I want something tangible. Or is it sensory? It just tastes good. It just feels good. The mouth feels great. Or it just gives me that feeling that I enjoy and I want more of it. And when we find out what that root cause is, it's much easier to find a replacement. Because the reality is, if a behavior is serving a root cause, then just saying stop doing it, it's not going to work out. Yep. And you've talked about this a lot. We have to make a replacement that fits that. Yeah, and this is kind of my, I talk about my evolution as a trainer. Um, before Dr. J, it's like, as a young trainer, I just told people to stop doing these things that weren't in line with their goals because that made the most sense to me of like, well, you know, you said you want to lose weight, then excess drinking, eating out, late night snacking, eating your tub of peanut butter every night is not really going to help with that. So I was like, just stop doing that. Um, a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> now, occasionally the person, there was the person like, I didn't realize there was that many calories in the nut butter so they could change. But anybody that was like, this was kind of their ingrained thing and they've been, you know, having a couple of glasses of, of wine every night for the last decade, that wasn't an easy fix of being like, yeah. just stop doing that. And I slowly learned that replacements were better. But the problem was, again, before Dr. J was, I was, I was thinking all, you know, drinks, maybe I can find a, a drink replacement. So, Instead of, you know, your wine, can you have kombucha or can you have tea or something like that? And that worked for a few people. And Dr. Jinx, Dr. J explained it to me later when um, we started working together. Of like It worked for the people that it was sensory because they were drinking the alcohol for a sensory escape. Uh, sorry, a sensory uh, replacement. And really, it could be escape. It could be attention. It could be tangible. And so match those up. And, and that's the key for these long-term changes because... I'm going to bet any of our clients, we can tell them to stop doing it and they'll do it for a short term, but it'll, it'll make its way back in when life becomes stressful. Um, when, when things just get a little bit harder, these old habits make their way back in. And for us to find a good change for that and a good replacement for that. So to be long term, and that's what we're in this for, for the long haul for our clients is, is, is matching it up is key. And I think you would attest to this too, is you don't have to be this major detective or psychological you know, genius to figure out what those root causes are. You just ask people, does it feel like this? Does it feel like this? And some behaviors, it could be late night snack, it could be alcohol, might serve more than one of them, depending yep. on when they do it. So we know if we take alcohol, the people that maybe drink a little bit in the evenings on a regular basis during the week, that might serve a different root cause than when they're out with their friends on the weekends drinking on more of a social type of thing. But asking those questions and imposing it to clients, oftentimes they'll uh, easily solicit the answer of that. And then you can start to partner with them on what that replacement is. Yeah. And so as we, as we wrap things up here, the, the, the big thing I want to leave you with is when, when clients aren't being compliant, um, think less about um, them and them not following the plan and, and more about the plan that you gave them and maybe it's not the best fit for them. So I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode on client compliance and um, personal training. And we really hope that you found these top three takeaways um, from our one day workshop um, informative and insightful. And remember, so we want um, effective communication in a focused time and place. 
We want to use minimum effective um, dose. And we also want to address those root cause behaviors so that we can give them proper replacements that are ultimately going to improve their compliance and love their long-term results. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more tips and strategies on how to succeed in the fitness industry.